Cancer is Boring with Jocelyn and Lauren and our amazing guest, Sharon. We're super excited to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. So, Jocelyn, why don't you start us off with the little things um, that we want to dive into today? Okay, so here's what I was thinking, because Sharon, I'm just going to try it. Hennepin. Hennepin. Mm-hmm. Hennepin. Yeah, I, like, I love it. I like that. That's easy. Yeah. So, Sharon, you emailed me, like, co- like cold emailed me and was like, hey, I'm a breast cancer survivor. I got some years under my belt. I should be on your show. And I was like, woo, look at this woman. <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. But I never, I I never love asked it. you, how did you... How did you like know to email me? How did you find us? You know, the funny thing is, um, I uh, am trying to do some PR work for this new nonprofit that I um, have started. And it's funny because I am not great about going, hey, look at me, you know, I need to do this. But because <laughs> I was doing it for the nonprofit, it was so easy. I just was looking around and figuring out all these breast cancer podcasts and I've done a bunch now. And um, really? I just, awesome. yeah, it's just, it's, it's amazing when you put your mind to something and just kind of like do it. And again, in my case, since I'm not great about doing the self-promotion, hey, I might as well do it for somebody else. And what's funny, you, you actually realize, darn, I really do have a story to tell. And so it's, yeah. it's probably good for my confidence, my self-worth, all those things too, which I always can, you know, try to better myself. Absolutely. Actually, I'm really excited about your story that. because, yeah, it's, that's awesome. But first, why don't you start out by telling us about your nonprofit? I want to hear about it. Okay. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> Breast, Breast Advocates International is the name of it. Mm-hmm. And um, about a year and a half, not, not quite a year and a half ago, a friend of mine who's an RN up in the um, Vancouver, Washington area, she had breakfast, we had breakfast together, and she was telling me about her project. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. But why are you telling me all about, I mean, in such (laughs) detail, right? And Uh and she says, because I want you to help me with it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Then I guess I need to listen from a different place, right? So Mm. um, basically what she has been doing for the last probably five years is going to underserved countries and teaching women in the villages how to do self-breast exams and then clinical breast exams. So, and and the, the kind of the art of navigation, you probably understand that a little bit, Jocelyn, being a nurse. So navigating yeah. the system uh, on how to break down the barriers in some of these places. So for instance, um, this uh, March, Uh, I was going to go to Malawi, Africa for the very first time on on this work. And uh, but unfortunately, because of the pandemic, uh, all that travel got canceled. So 
I was trying to figure out what I'm going to do with this time that I didn't think I would have because I was going to be gone. And so that's why I started reaching out and, you know, talking to people. But ultimately, places like Malawi are, for instance, they don't have mammograms. They don't have right. ultrasounds. They don't have stable electricity to make those things work. And they have a lot of other barriers, whether they're cultural barriers, because mm -hmm. they still believe in voodoo and things like that, that, you know, like you got this disease because, you know, somebody cursed you kind of stuff. Crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, they have transportation and financial barriers, uh, things that, you know, we kind of take for granted in the United States. And so it just, it spoke to me because I had done nonprofit work for 20 years before this. And so I said, well, this must be, well, actually what I did is I said, I have to be careful what I pray for because <laughs> I love to travel and I wanted to find another avenue, if you will, so I could use my breast cancer experience and bloop, yeah. this just kind of fell in my lap. So, it wow. sure did. Yes, it did. Your friend wow. hoodwinked you into starting a nonprofit. <laughs> kind of like I hoodwinked Lauren into doing this podcast. <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah. And what's fun yeah. about it is she had financed the whole thing on her own dime until I got oh, involved. Wow. And I'm like, okay, oh. the bank of Melissa is closed now. <laughs> We're going to put a nonprofit structure around this so we can actually then get donations for the work Good that for we're you. doing. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. That's incredible. How would you even know how to do, like, how did you know how to do that? Like, like you say it so casually, like, yeah, we decided to put a nonprofit structure around this. Like, but <laughs> I don't even know what... I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, 20 years ago, so in 2000, a girlfriend and I um, started Breast Friends. And being perfectly honest, I was not the business part of the partnership. I was more the program part. Um, mm. And that is actually where I will be um, very soon because we've got a few other people now who are really good in the business part. So that's good. Um, but it's amazing what you do when you feel like you need to do something like that. So you figure it out. Yeah. You just figure it out. You figure it out. I love that. I love that resolve. Yeah. That makes me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah. just like you guys. I mean, you didn't probably know how to do a podcast and now you're doing a podcast. So yeah, we it, sure did. Maybe it's a we little still kind of don't. Scale, but you know, <laughs> uh, we're still struggling a little bit. Hey, we're all here. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, since we are relative strangers to each other, I thought we could do a little like game opener that I have decided to call the last things round table. Okay. These okay. are the things that I just came up with randomly. And then forgot to write down my answers to. So I'll be figuring this out at the same time. Um, <laughs> okay. The last thing you watched, either streaming on TV or a 
you know, a movie or a DVD. Ha ha ha, DVDs. <laughs> yeah, I do have a couple of those still, but I haven't watched them in a while. Um, actually, the show that I have been streaming lately is, is Beauty and the Baker, which is actually uh, You're not cute. the only person to tell me that. They, yeah, everyone keeps saying how it's cute It's actually it really cute. Yeah, it's cute. Okay. So would you compare it? Because, okay, so I've seen... I've seen the picture. I think it's on Netflix, right? I think so, it, yeah. And it what it looks to me is like it looks like one of those uh like the the Hallmark classics that come out where it's like the Christmas movies. Oh yeah, it's not quite that sweet. It's it's Okay. <laughs> it, it, it's it's basically about a movie star who meets okay. a kind of a normal person who is a baker in Little Havana. Has a very, very uh, eclectic, uh, uh, fun uh, Hispanic family, and uh, and their relationship, trying to create a relationship. So it is like her crazy life as a star, you know, in the camera, all the paparazzi and all that, and him trying to live a sort of normal life, but he's so into her and a little bit of the glamour and yeah, but her family, not so much. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's good. All right. This sounds good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. sounds good. Yeah. Lauren, what's the last thing you watched? Um, well, the last, um, movie that we watched, we watched Goonies. Ooh, so nice choice. Yeah, Goonies. Nice we watched choice. that with the kids. Um, not really appropriate for a seven-year-old. Um, no? No. No, it wasn't. But Uh-oh. You forgot <laughs> uh, some things, huh? <laughs> I, don't I don't remember that. <laughs> well, it's so funny because you, you know, you you think about that movie and you're like, oh, totally. My seven-year-old will laugh so hard and he'll love it. And uh -huh. I have an 11-year-old, too, who thought it was hilarious. But there are a few um, choice languages, you know, things. Oh, yeah. And there's definitely a murder in the movie. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And then... Um, the central premise of it, isn't it? Oh, God. Yeah. Well, and also, like, the scene where um, Chunk is, like, kidnapped by those the those guys and they're gonna like put his hand in the blender or you know yeah. like that that didn't go over well oh. he goes mommy i'm so scared i was like it's not gonna happen okay oh my goodness um but i think that the big pirate ship ending like it was much more memorable for them than the other parts because they hadn't seen it over and over and over again you know, it's funny because um, my daughter's favorite, I mean, like watch it over and over and over kind of movie was The Color Purple. Oh. What? When she was like six, she wow. watched it and watched it and watched it. And it's fascinating because, you know, there's some, there's some tough subjects in that. But of course, all that stuff went over her head. Yeah. But the but the theme and the um just the racial stuff and all 
I mean, you know, my girl has always been just like, that's not fair kind of person. And, (sighs) you know, it's, it's funny because something like that, you know, a lot of times they won't understand most of it, but. And then she watched it as a 30-some-year-old woman. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness, I didn't re- remember all that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, I'm a little humbled by her right now. <laughs> right? Those, are, those were not the movies I was watching at six years old. No, no. no. For and, her. You know, I'm not sure how that even happened. There was a, you know, was that- <laughs> grandma's house kind of thing and and yeah she, she would just like literally go right upstairs and like turn it on and, she, and grandma was like do you want to watch schindler's list or the color purple <laughs> 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 yeah, really. wow. okay so we just watched tonight like i we watch a show pretty much every night that i don't have to do school and so we've been watching um mrs america which no, I, is I've got on it in my queue, but I haven't watched it yet. It is so good. I love Kate Blanchett. She can do anything, and I'm on board. And there's so many other good people in it. Um, but it's the story of the ERA amendment, basically. And yeah. it it's just so good. It's I live so that good. Never. I love it. <laughs> yes. You know what? You're going to watch it, and you're going to be like, mm-hmm, I remember uh, that. Uh, yep. that's not exactly how that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like exactly. <laughs> it's just it's it's fascinating, Things and there's so, so much different. I didn't know about it. Things so different. So okay, last time, what is the last item you purchased from a physical store, not grocery store? You know, I couldn't even come up with one. I I I don't know. It's been that Rough. long. And again, mm-hmm. Lauren, you haven't heard um, uh, uh, we downsized into a fifth wheel. So we're getting oh, rid wow. of stuff, you know, nice. left and right. And so I'm not buying much of anything these days. Yeah. Part, partly yeah. because of that, but partly because we don't have anywhere to store it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. I love that. You know, my thought around the question was like, I haven't gone to a physical like store except for a grocery store in so long because of quarantine and stuff. But I didn't even think about you being, you know, like having downsized and being like, I don't buy things because where do I put them? Well, and oh, I I just thought of one. I actually bought a tablet for my birth mom. She's 90 years old. Oh, wow. And, you know, bored as heck, as you can imagine, you know, being in a facility that that basically all the communication with the other residents and stuff has been, you know, stopped. So <clears throat> I got her a tablet. And so I literally looked online to Best Buy and and it said it was open. I'm like, oh, I'm surprised it's open. OK, I'll go over there and look. So I went over there and um pulled in and there was people outside the store and they said oh are you here to pick up an order and i'm like oh i didn't order anything but i yes i know what i want (laughs) and so they literally went into the store got it i had to stand over here 
go through the line and whatever. Uh-huh. No touching, no, you know, everything was all. And I got that tablet for her. That's awesome. How nice of them to go in and get it for you. Yeah, they were, that was how they were doing business. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I could get used to that. I could too. <laughs> no yeah. joke. Yeah. So I've been an, an avid, like, I get as much as I can online, and I have now for a long time. But I think the last thing I purchased, the last physical thing I purchased was a Becca tube of lipstick from Sephora at the Domain. Uh-huh. And Important. Because lipstick is very difficult to, to gauge online. And uh-huh. even with all the, like, YouTube you know, makeup tutorials, which I find very relaxing. It's really hard to envision how this lipstick will look on you. There's no way in hell I will ever try a lipstick on in a store again in my life, probably. But (laughs) watching them sanitize it at that time, I was like, okay, sure, you know, fine. But now my brain's changed a little bit. Yeah. Lauren, what about you? And it cannot be something you purchased for your children. Ooh. Yeah, uh-huh. that makes it harder. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, well, most recently, I mean, this probably doesn't apply. I went and bought dog food. Um, oh. Yeah. But before the pandemic, right before mm-hmm. I went to the MAC makeup store in the domain, because my husband works in the domain and, um, and I have a really good friend who is a regional manager for Mac makeup. And I love that Mac store. I, um, you're so good in there. I, I went in and I'm, I'm a, I'm a Mac whore. It's, it's, (laughs) it's, it's a fact. I am. I'm. I'm. I'm a total like slave to everything. This is true. There's been two mm-hmm. times I think where you've come to, and I've looked at your face and gone, "What are you wearing on your cheeks? What are you wearing on your eyes?" And you're like, "Oh, it's Mac." Mm-hmm. I got Mac. I got Mac. You got Mac <laughs> yeah. on my cheeks, and my daughter bought it for oh. me. Yep, and <laughs> You guys, I'm missing out. Well, one of my really good friends from a long time ago was mm-hmm. um, when I worked in the domain before I had children and she worked at that Mac makeup and she and I both got pregnant with our first babies at the same time. And our children have kind of grown up together. And I, and she was just like, you should just come to the, the store and I'll do your makeup. And I would go and I'd be like, oh my God, y'all look at this. Are we so looking? Much how, I mean, oh my gosh! It's like it's an art form. Mm-hmm. And then I just yeah, became totally. friends with like more and more makeup artists. And it just—I mean, obviously, you know, my husband is a hairstylist, so it kind of goes like hand in hand. Oh, That's yeah. just the way it works, you know. And um, it's so funny because they just know what I like, and my friends would be calling me like oh my gosh, we got this one thing and you're going to die because you're going to love it. The color is going to be amazing on you. I know exactly what you need. You need to come see me. And I'll be like, yes, I will be right there. Like, I can't help it. I don't know. It like takes over my brain. I just, what did you buy? What did you buy in there? I mean, okay, so I'm the girl that I, when I go, I buy 
everything. I'm like, mm-hmm. I need brows. I need eyes. I need skin. Mm-hmm. I need lips. I need, I need, oh, they I, love need you. The, <laughs> I need the gamut. Yeah. Well, I go, I mean, and like I said, I, I try to just buy everything all at once. So I'm, it's bad. It's really bad. Everybody knows that about me, unfortunately, especially my husband would be like, what do you want for your birthday? Oh, should I buy you some Mac? I'm like, yes. Yes. Perfect. I'll always think like, I just need this one other thing to, to complete my makeup, you know, entourage. But mm-hmm. then there's like always this one more thing, this one more thing. And I just, I don't hate it. Yeah. Don't hate it at all. Um, okay. Last one. Since we can only hug family members now in this new world we're living in pre quarantine pre COVID who was the last non family member that you gave a hug to, or that you received a hug from, uh, before COVID, um, yeah, probably some girlfriends. Yeah. Because, uh, I'm a hugger. So, you know, happy hour hug, you know, before oh. hug again, you know, that kind of happy stuff. Happy hour. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I miss them too. <laughs> oh, and we have a special oh, guest. We do. Neo is here. Hello, Napoleon. <laughs> do you hear him? Do you hear yes. him? Yes. Yeah, he's trying right. to tell us all about it. That's part of the charm, right? Um, I think the last person I hugged before hugging was outlawed was my best friend. She has since moved to Ohio and I did not get to say goodbye to her in person because of everything going on. But we will see each other again and I am forcing her to come and do at least like a short B-side with me. Good. Yeah, forcing her to do that. So, Lauren, what about you? Right before this happened, I saw, um, so there are several people, I work in a hospital, and there are several people that have worked in my department that I have helped because um, they were going through schooling and they were trying to get uh, a nursing job. And I have helped them move from working in my department to moving into a nursing position or clinical position in our hospital. And it was a morning I went in really early and I saw one of the girls that was working for me before who is, she's now working night. So I, I saw her and it was just like two you know, small children squealing and, ah, I'm so excited <laughs> to see you. <laughs> so now I want to talk about you, Sharon. I want to find out all about it because you, you are how many years a survivor now? I am 26, almost 27. Wow. It is yeah, so but- hard to conceptualize that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was hard for me to conceptualize going through it. I have to admit I was, I had just turned 40 and, uh, had a funny little tweaky pain and I went, ow, you know, and I started poking at it. And, uh, unfortunately I found a little hard pee in there and I poked at it for a couple of days and decided, I don't think it's supposed to be in there. So Mm. called my doctor and, um, and went in and that was a Tuesday and I remember laying on the exam table when he's doing the the physical exam 
and uh, looking up into his eyes and and hearing his words, and they were completely disconnected. Uh, his words said, oh, it's probably nothing, but let's get it out of there just in case. And But his eyes told me, oh, this is not good. Yeah. Aww. So I knew it was not good at that point at that juncture and so that was a Tuesday the following Tuesday I had a lumpectomy and unfortunately I did not have clean margins and it was cancer and so the following Tuesday I had a mastectomy with reconstruction boom <laughs> it was like really Whoa! talk about a whirlwind yeah and then I contacted um uh, the wow. oncology person and uh and started chemo as soon as i healed enough to to uh you know undergo chemotherapy so that was every two weeks have an infusion plus take a pill every day for six months it was awful you, wait you got chemo every two weeks for six months yeah it's it's not as harsh as like ACT is, for instance, the adromycin, cytoxin, and antaxotir. Um, mm -hmm. It's not quite as, uh, you know, so it's a little less, but it was a lot for a lot longer. Yeah. Yeah, it was not fun. And those pills, because even though you would... Um, only go in for your infusion. You remember how you know you'd you'd kind of get yucky uh, after your infusion, and then it, you you know build back up again, and then mm -hmm. um, uh, then it was time for another infusion. Well, in in my case, I had this pill I had to take every day, so it was kind of a constant bleh, kind of feeling. Um, I never really got the up swing because it just kind of kept you at that kind of funny blah feeling wow yeah. yeah it was fun and um i i was so fortunate because i worked for a big corporation so i had a lot of long-term and short-term disability available to me so financially it wasn't a huge burden but you realize that my entire support system was at work and I wasn't at work. Yeah. yeah. So right. I was so lonely. So um, it was hard. It was really hard to emotionally go through that. Your your husband's at work. Your kids are at school, and uh, you got lots and lots of hours to worry about the future, or even if you're gonna have a future. So I remember that was that was really tough. And then going back to work, that was that was funny. After 11 months, six surgeries, six months of chemo, you know, being off work that that long, I uh, go back to work, and it was like, oh, I don't think I can do this job anymore. I mean, it's like the chemo brain. Nobody talked about that. They hadn't even acknowledged that there was such a thing as chemo brain at that point. So yeah, it was it was challenging. Um, and I just really kept my head down and hoped, hoped that, uh, you know, I could just do the, do my job the best I could and my boss wouldn't notice. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
you know? Well, did, he, did they notice? When you can't remember your passwords and you're having to rely on, you know, post-it notes everywhere and you've never had to do that before, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, it's just, you just feel so ridiculous. Tell me again what your markers were. Mine were estrogen positive and progesterone positive, and they hadn't even heard of her too at that point. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. I thought, I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, Ken Burns documentary, uh, Cancer, the Emperor of All Maladies. It's based on a book yeah. by a physician whose name I definitely should know and I don't remember. Right. Uh, but... <laughs> Blame it on chemo brain. It's okay for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. It'd have to be quite a while for me. Yeah. Uh, But I learned so much about the development of the discovery of the HER2 component and and the development of Herceptin. And when it was in trials, they were getting such good outcomes that, that women were like, um, they were like protesting the uh, continuance of the trial and they were protesting to have it made available to the public. Yeah. Um, And they did this. It was saving lives. And and the studies were just so overwhelmingly positive. Uh, And so I I had no idea that that was something that had happened or that, you know, so you were never, they never considered it for you. No. uh I mean, they didn't. Luckily, I didn't, I must not have had the HER2 um, uh, protein to deal with. Otherwise, I may not be here today to talk about it because, yeah, yeah, that that was a really serious thing. I I remember before that documentary came out, maybe it was before, but um, the, uh, there was a movie about the doctor who had um, created that and it was, uh, I can't remember the title either. It was probably like I wore lipstick to my mastectomy or something like that. But yes. you know, it, it was it was a great movie, <laughs> and it, but it did show, you know, how impressive that drug was. My oncologist, he he's a great great doctor, and he gave me a printout. And one of the things on that printout for like resources or something was that movie. I feel like. Junior was in it or something? I don't know. Somebody better fact check um, me. Uh yeah, it was uh who did you say Harry Connick? Harry Connick Jr. That's what it is. Yes. He was the doctor. Yes. And I'll uh, watch that. Yeah, exactly. I mean a young Harry Connick Jr. Okay. (laughs) It's worth it's worth watching. Fantastic. So Okay, at least for me, in this whole, like, having cancer thing, this whole experience, there have been these benchmarks, like, okay, you get chemo, and then that's a benchmark, and you're done with that, and then there's, like, you have your mastectomy, you have radiation, you get your reconstruction. I've now, I'm at a point now, and I know, Lauren, you might... I think we've talked about this, you relate with this, where all those major, the known benchmarks, the benchmarks that you go into it kind of knowing are there, are done. Mm-hmm. And except for when I get to stop taking this ovarian suppressant, that's my next benchmark, but that's like five years away. So I don't mm-hmm. even, 10, yeah, they keep threatening me with 10, but we'll see. Yeah. 
-hmm. we'll see about Just that remember you have you have choices too so yeah lauren you're good about that i am very good about that mm -hmm. yeah i'll put my foot down when i get to a certain point where i'm like okay where's my quality well, and again, you need to weigh, weigh those things out. You know, show me the statistics. If I take it this long, and then is it just this much difference? <laughs> you know, is it really, you know, worth another five years of not sleeping all night? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. No kidding. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because I remember the, the, I was on tamoxifen for five years. And, um yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mm. Um, and uh, it was awful in that hot sweats at night, I think were the worst, you know. Yeah, because it sleep you is up. And, so it's yeah. hard. It's really hard. That was yeah. probably the worst side effect for me. But um, I know it's it can be very tricky to balance uh, a girlfriend of mine she you know she felt like she was 80 years old you know because she was taking a rumadex she was postmenopausal but at mm -hmm. the same time that was the um side effect for her she every bone every she just ached mm -hmm. all over all the time and could hardly even get out of bed and so luckily and this is a message i want to make sure your your audience knows is when when you are dealing with side effects that are just so debilitating have conversations with your doctor because yeah. there are other things you can try and maybe one just won't have that effect with you at all so it's it can be a lot easier on your body right I mean, you guys are nurses, so you 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 get that, but um, not everybody I does. Mean, <laughs> and the other thing is, like, maybe being a nurse has helped me in some ways go through this. But I got to tell you, nurse Jocelyn is a very different person than patient, like oncology patient Jocelyn. Oh, I'm sure. And and sometimes just, you're the worst. <laughs> yes, well, you know it's too like. Much. Because, you know, you know, just enough and, you know, and I was an oncology nurse for four years. I gave chemo to patients okay. with cancer, um, but I was, I worked inpatient. So I, we only saw breast cancer when it was like medicine, when it was uh, quite advanced stage four. And it was the first time that the woman was finding out. Um, but I gave terrible, horrible chemo to patients and they would get for days in a row and they would get so, so sick. And that was my concept of chemo. So I think some of my experience served to kind of freak me out a little bit. But then at other times, mm -hmm. I should have been in the moments where I thought I would be smarter, where I would be logical, where I would be pragmatic. I was just emotional i wasn't hearing the words that were being said i would leave appointments and be like what just happened what yeah. what yeah. i don't mm -hmm. even know what they just said I, I don't remember any of the words and i think it's um uh there's a scientific study that talks about exactly that where you literally like lose about seven seconds when there's an emotionally charged word 
that is given to you. Like you have cancer. So you kind of block out the next, you know, not on purpose, obviously, but your brain is protecting you. And so that is a very normal thing. So when they said you're going to have to do chemotherapy because of the kind of cancer, you probably did it again, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a very common thing. That's why we suggest you take somebody else in there to take notes because you're going to miss. Yeah. You're going to miss a lot. Yes. For sure. And always take a notebook with you that you've written all your notes down with all your questions on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's helpful too. So you, you know, can, mm-hmm. when you're, when you're clear headed, you can think about the actual questions you want to ask because when you're there faced with the doctor, um, mm-hmm. it's gone. <laughs> a lot of times. It yeah. They're going to be like, how are you feeling? And you say, I'm fine. And you're like, that's not, that's you're not, not how I'm feeling. <laughs> Exactly. You know, I'm fine. No, you're not. You're not fine. I can, it makes, it has made me, I would be such a better, like, nurse to my patients now because I remember having patients and all morning they'd be like, I'm really worried about my hip. It's really hurting, you know, where they, where that we, I had surgery and like, they would say all of these elaborate things to me. I'd be like, okay, well, let's ask the doctor when they come. The doctor would walk in that room and they'd be like, well, how are you doing today, Mrs. Wilson? And they'd be like, oh, I'm fine. Do you need anything? No, I'm good. And they'd walk out and then I'd be paging the doctor 10 minutes later. And I used to think like, why are my patients afraid to ask the doctor, these questions are asking me all day, but I don't yeah. think now that it is that, I think truly your mind just goes blank and I, it happens to me and I cannot explain it. Yeah. Even knowing it's going to happen is not helpful. Yeah. I think that's definitely a huge piece of it. Now, if you're dealing with older patients, being perfectly honest, back in the day, we put the doctors on a pedestal, um, you know, even though they put yes. their pants on the same way we do, um, you know, it, it, we were intimidated by, <laughs> by them because, you know, they, you know, were so yeah. well educated and they knew all the answers and all that stuff, which is, as of course we know is not necessarily true, but, you know, that's how we, we, treated them i think some of the doctors i work with call that the good old days the good- <laughs> and those uh those days are gone mm-hmm. <laughs> yep um so in terms of benchmarks in terms of of just trying to visualize being 10 years out from this being 15 years out from this does it in what way? Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm not going to ask, does it get better? Cause I, I can't really hear that it doesn't right now. So I'm going to ask in what ways? Um, again, I mean, I have talked to so many women throughout these last 20 some years about their journey and honestly, it does get better and time, they, they, you know, mm-hmm. they say time heals everything and it does actually, but that (laughs) let me just say that um what happens is uh, how i look at it it's it's right in your face right now right it's just right there and as Mm -hmm. time goes it kind of ticks away and it's kind of back here okay 
And then something mm-hmm. will happen and whoop, it's right back there again. It's right in your face again. So, for instance, I had um, a pain in my hip one day. I, I was about 15 years out. And I'm like, it was right in my face that fast. The first thought was, oh, my God, I hope my cancer didn't come back and go into my hip. That was the first thing that I thought of. So, being said, 15 years. After 15 years. Wow. But after after saying that, understand because of that potential, I went to the doctor, had my hip x-rayed, and everything was just fine, right? So, again, I think it makes us more proactive. It makes us look at those kinds of things a little more seriously and um, Mm -hmm. are able to say, okay, check, check, check. I did my due diligence. Everything's cool. I'm fine. And then it can go back here. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. until, Until you do, it's still right there in your face. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely, Sharon. Um, Mm -hmm. Jocelyn and I have talked about this on several occasions where, you know, we wonder if that will ever subside. And I think just like what you're saying, um, for a while, yes. And then there'll be that moment where you, that's your first inclination or your first instinct thought is to say, oh no, I hope it's not cancer. Um, I, I've already experienced it and I'm only three years out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's a very, it's a very normal thing. That fear of it coming back, I think will always be with you a bit because it was a, it, I mean, it is a traumatic thing to have somebody tell you that you have a disease that potentially could kill you. So absolutely. Right. I mean, I think that is, that's, you know, an important understanding. Absolutely. Mm. And I guess, like, one of the things I want to know, too, is I think I had this uh, romanticized view sometimes of people who go through a traumatic event or, like, like, cancer, right? They go through it, and then they emerge on the other side as if like from a chrysalis and they're a new person, a better person, a wiser person, and they, they've had this transformative experience. I find that I'm quite literally the same person I was before I got cancer, which is kind of disappointing, but comforting in a way. But I'm wondering if once this like acute phase that I feel like I'm in, gets over and like you said it, it gets to go to the back of my head like do you did you process having cancer differently at the 10-year mark and does it change who you are I think cancer was the hugest blessing in my life and again if you're only you know yeah I know I know that's a, that's a shocker, right? I can't uh, even compute. <laughs> and and I, I know it's for for anyone who's a, a short timer so far, you know, only a couple of years maybe max. 
that's uh -huh. that is a pretty bizarre thing to to say. Um, but honestly, it it changed my life in so many wonderful. <laughs> Got a hot flash going on there. <laughs> I'm just flashing at the thought. I know, I know. Um, but it's true. It it is honestly true. But again. It's just like any traumatic thing that happens to us. It's how you deal with that traumatic thing, right? It's not the traumatic thing right. that, that holds you down. It's how you process, how you think about it, what you do with that. And so for me, um, I worked in corporate America for 30 years and um, uh, at, at 20 years or uh, about 20 years ago, um, a friend and I started a nonprofit organization to help other women who, just like you guys, just like you, Lauren, reached out and needed to know Jocelyn because she needed to know the things that she didn't know about this journey. Okay, so it was the same kind of thing. So, so who knows? I mean, Three years ago, did you really think you would do a podcast about breast cancer? Really? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. And it could, I mean, who knows if it'll open other doors? It, who, who knows what that path will, <laughs> and, and maybe it will get boring as your no. uh, name is. Maybe, maybe you'll wear that out, but, but it'll open other doors for you that, that, um, can make a huge difference in your life so again i think it's what you what you make of it yeah, yeah. it sounds like you are the kind of person who just makes lemonade out of shit, <laughs> which is really hard to do yeah so well I mean, done I, you I, the, the good thing is, mm -hmm. I Bravo. what it did for me, it allowed me to understand what my God-given gifts were. Mm. And, you know, not everybody, even at the end of their life, can can really articulate what their, what God put them on this earth to do, right? And I have mm -hmm. a belief that, you know, there is a purpose for everybody. Um, we just don't always know what that is. And until we really yeah. can get a grasp of what our talents and our gifts are and how it would be selfish to not share those gifts, mm -hmm. I think yeah. that's kind of the message, right? That, you know, you, you, and not everybody, it's going to be breast cancer. Not everybody who gets breast cancer right. is going gonna, is gonna to take up the pink flag. You know, that's not the point. Um, but right. hopefully it will allow you to understand yourself better. That's funny that you say that about waving your pink flag. And I, it's funny, I, I've told Jocelyn this before that, um, Part of me and the reason why I try to stay relevant in some of the breast cancer things that they do out in the public is because there are more Jocelyn's out there. And I'm 
never know when I'm going to bump into one and look in that girl's face and say, I need to know you and you need to know me. And it really has nothing else to do with the color of a ribbon or anything like that. It's just the fact that like what you're saying is you you have information that some other beautiful individual would absolutely, whether she knows it or not at the moment, could absolutely use that information. And of course, this is why I know Jocelyn really put this podcast together is to really share that knowledge and information in a probably a much bigger level than I was even doing just being like, go, I'm just going to go. And I'm going to, if there's somebody there that I look in her face and I know I, I need to know her. Right. Um, in terms of impact, like that was such a huge impact on me. The person to person impact oh, yeah. is like, huge. I don't even know how to express it. And again, I will never understand Lauren, how you can just do that. Like I don't, and I'm, I am an outgoing, like, I'm a, you know, I'm a fun guy, but like, I can't just walk up to people and, and do that. So that it's just, it's stone cold impressive is what it is. And have you heard about the pink Hulk? Believe in you. The the what? Pink Hulk. Uh, Valerie, uh, uh, Valerie David, uh, something like that. Anyway, Valerie, I know, I think is her first name. Yeah, people are taking their experience and spinning it so they can use their gifts. So if yours is a, you know, karaoke, uh, who knows? I mean, there's a one woman play. Yes, yes. Oh, man. She was on um, the show, um, the radio show for Breast Friends uh, on Voice America. And so you should go and listen to her podcast um, where she was on it. Absolutely. You never know. Yeah. We, my husband had, he, he let slip that he'd never seen the sound of music the other day. And so we've been doing, we've been doing movie nights to like bring some structure to our lives. So every Friday night is movie night and we trade on and off choosing the movie. And so I chose the sound of music, forgetting that it was like three hours long. But I remember (laughs) it reminded me of how much, just how terribly much I wanted to do that when I was young. Like I wanted to perform in musicals and like mostly on the stage but I'll do movies too. That's fine if anyone's asking. But <laughs> I just, there's something, oh man, that's so what I would do. Are you involved in community theater? No, I do well, not have the time. There. <laughs> Come on, girl. That sounds like it's right up your alley. It's true. It's true. Once we get theaters back, maybe. Now yeah. I do, I do karaoke. I am pretty devoted to that so anyway how I managed to steer every conversation to karaoke I'm not sure but let's get away from that now um (laughs) um, it's a passion it's so fun I love it so much Sharon what I don't even know enough to know what questions to ask so what what do you want us to know what do you want women are going through this now and don't have the insight that you have to to understand about what this looks like 
Well, <clears throat> I think, yeah, breast cancer's, you know, it's certainly not a club you want to join. Um, but that being said, once you've joined it, you will never meet more amazing, talented, passionate women in your life. <laughs> um, again, right now, I know it's a little early to ask for you to be actually grateful that you went through this experience. Um, <laughs> or hashtag she, too soon, Sharon. <laughs> too soon, yeah. <laughs> uh, the hair hasn't lost its curl yet. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, uh, but at the same time, I think um, it can it can be a um, a wild ride. It can be something that you can get beyond in most cases. Mm -hmm. And um, as long as you don't wear it as your identity, um, yeah. and you know, because some we know people who do. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that I think there are many wonderful lessons that you can learn from it. Uh, finding your passion, finding meaning in your life, you know, whether you're doing it like Lauren, you know, just one person at a time, like we did it at Breast Friends, uh, or you, you know, tell the world about it. That's whatever works for you. That's, that's what's important. And I think... Yeah just using the lessons that you that you learn um, is just kind of the most important message really it will get better <laughs> thank you yeah. Okay. yeah i i actually wrote a book um what uh, how have you not mentioned this book oh my yet? god remember she i told just you told you wrote a book emotion, right <laughs> okay so, please oh tell gosh. us all about your book just quickly, um, it's uh, it's called Thriving Beyond Cancer. Okay. And I became a certified life coach in, back in 2007 and uh, used the life coaching kind of principles to create a workshop and a retreat called Thriving Beyond Cancer. And so I'm not a writer. But I honestly was the one to write that book because wow. women all over the place need to understand that they're not alone in this, in all the crazy emotions and all the awful things that happen when you go through treatment and even the aftermath and all of that, um, the fear of it coming back, all of those things. Um, yeah. And so I put it in a book form with the life coaching principles, with the um, exercises that I used in the retreat. And so maybe it'll be helpful. It's available on Amazon. Nice. You're awesome, Sharon. <laughs> Thank I'm you. I'm so impressed by you. What was funny about it is a woman who was at my retreat had written three uh <sighs> Uh, academic books wow. and she said to me later she said every book starts with a excuse the expression a shitty first draft and mm -hmm. I'm like I can do that <laughs> I, can, I can write her a shitty first draft there you and, go and so that's 
kind of what took the scary out of it a little bit. Mm. Yeah. We can all do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in some ways the first 30 years of my life were a shitty first draft. And now <laughs> I'm just now getting to, you know, editing out the things I don't want. Well, and, and you know what? Sometimes that is the case. And yeah. that's okay. Oh it's okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, Sharon author, life coach, organization builder, breast <laughs> cancer slayer. Thank you so much for being on the show and and just giving us some insight into what's ahead and just for being all around a pretty cool person. So Thank thanks you. for that. <laughs> thanks for having Absolutely. me. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And you guys are going to rock it. Just keep, keep one step at a time, right? <laughs> Yes, this has been Breast Cancer is Boring. Thank you for listening. Um, if you want to be on the show, let us know. <laughs> shoot us an email. Yeah, shoot me an email, guys. I will welcome you via Skype <laughs> into my closet with my many, many blazers. <laughs> Which is why I can't roam the country in an RV, but <laughs> I'll get there someday. All right. I love We're out.